When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, happy Tuesday, everybody. The 23rd day of January, 2024. Hope everybody's having a good one. Dan Gross' show, an abbreviated version on this Tuesday. Live and in living color on 98.7 ESPN. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. We're taking it right up until 7 o'clock tonight. Then you get Knicks pregame coverage. Knicks, Nets. Knickerbockers hop on the bus. They go over to the Barclays Center as they try to continue their winning ways against a slumping Nets team. No Isaiah Hartenstein tonight for the Knickerbockers. Sounds like Jericho Sims going to get the nod in the middle tonight, and we'll see how long iHeart is going to be out. That bear is watching, certainly, because the Knicks are already down their starting center with Mitchell Robinson still on the mend, of course, from that ankle surgery. Joe is back. We've got Julian. They're producing the program tonight. And again, we try to get as many of these calls up as we can here over the next little while that we have at 800-919-3776. At Dan Gross is where you can get me on the old X. We'll get to the basketball stuff in just a minute, but I would say within the last 15 minutes or so, the results of the 2024 Baseball Hall of Fame vote were announced up there in Cooperstown and on the MLB Network. And I'm a little bit surprised, to be quite honest with you. You know, on the show last night, I said that you would probably get somewhere in the neighborhood of at least four to six that would be voted into this Hall of Fame class. Remember, last year you only got one. It was Scott Rowland on the writer's ballot. So I thought you'd see a little bit more representation this time around. You had more than one, but you didn't have as many as I thought there were going to be because it topped out at three. Adrian Beltre gets in, which is a no-brainer. He was going to get in. Todd Helton, his wait is finally over from the Colorado Rockies. And Joe Maurer gets in first time on the ballot. So you got two guys, Beltre and Maurer, first ballot Hall of Famers. Helton been on the ballot for a while. This was his sixth year. And then a couple of others came up close, most notably Billy Wagner, which I am baffled, baffled at how Billy Wagner continues to get left out of the Hall of Fame conversation. Um, I put it out on Twitter a couple of minutes ago, and that is how I feel. Billy Wagner fell five votes shy of getting into the Hall of Fame. Just I'd rather get only five votes as opposed to being that close and having to wait another year. Now, look, if you're trending in this direction, unless you go out there and do something egregious like commit a crime over the next 12 months, you're going to get in the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately for Billy Wagner, he's going to have to wait 12 more months. But 284 votes for him, 73.8% of the vote. Like I said, five votes shy. He will pick up those five votes next year. But next year is his last and final season on the ballot. So you hope that it gets done. And generally in these type of circumstances, it ultimately does. But the thing about Billy Wagner, it cracks me up. Like, I don't understand what the writers have not seen or did not see in Billy Wagner throughout his career. Hands down, Billy Wagner is the best left-handed relief pitcher in the history of Major League Baseball. Okay, hands down. It's not disputable. So how is the best left-handed reliever not in the Hall of Fame? All right, he's better than some right-handed relievers who are in the Baseball Hall of Fame. I don't care about saves. I don't care about all these other things. Billy Wagner, push comes to shove, was a better pitcher than Lee Smith was. But Lee Smith had the gaudy save number. He was the all-time save leader for a little bit until Mariano and Hoffman and all those guys topped him. Billy Wagner was more dominant than Lee Smith. Not even close. Billy Wagner 
his final season pitching in the majors. You know how some guys like hang on until they literally can't lift their arms up anymore? Billy Wagner at the age of 38 in 2010 with the Atlanta Braves. Okay, still could have continued pitching. He pitched to a 1-4-3 ERA, and he had a whip of 0.865. Made the all-star team and walked away, called it a career. I'm good. I'm done. I accomplished enough. That is how he went out. So we're not talking about somebody who hung around way past his prime to try to stockpile and compile statistics and saves and all these other numbers that will make his career look a little bit more splashy when it comes to evaluating it for things like the Baseball Hall of Fame. Guy should be in the Hall of Fame. It thinks he's going to have to wait another year. Now, next up, as far as coming close, was Gary Sheffield. He did not get in, and he is not going to get in on the writer's ballot because this was Gary Sheffield's last year on the ballot, number 10. He got 63.9% of the vote. He was, let's see, 40. He was 38 votes behind Wagner. So Gary Sheffield fell 43 votes shy of getting into the Hall of Fame. Now, Sheffield has a complicated case because of all the Balco stuff and the cream and the clear. We talked about that last night. But Sheffield last year topped out at 55%, and this year he got all the way up to 63.9. So there was a little bit more of a push for him to see if he could get his way into the Hall of Fame. It just didn't happen. Look, I vote for Sheffield. Now, I don't have an official vote. I just told you, like the mock ones we do over on the baseball channel, I voted for Sheffield this year. And I'm sure that if you're listening to the show right now, you watched his career each and every second of it like I did. The guy was a terror in the lineup. That is a guy that if you were playing a team and Gary Sheffield was on said team and he strolled into the batter's box, that is not a guy you wanted to see stroll into the batter's box. That, to me, is good enough to be in a Hall of Famer. And especially if you do it over a prolonged period of time like Gary Sheffield did, he should be in the Hall of Fame. I understand. Polarizing figure. Moved around a lot. Was on a bunch of different teams throughout his career. And I think maybe that had something to do with it. Was not always the most um, friendly individual, probably, with members of the media. And that, again, exposes and calls to the conversation another aspect of this Hall of Fame vote and why it's so complicated and why it's imperfect. Is that your fate is in the hands of a baseball writer. Okay? A baseball writer who, you know, after playing, let's say, your 10th game in nine days, wrapping up a, you know, three-city road trip, straddles up to you in the clubhouse after a game when you just went 0 for 4 and your team lost. And he wants to ask you a question about, you know, why you've struggled the last couple of games and why you can't buy a hit. And you turn around, and if you don't maybe give him the answer that he wants or give him any answer whatsoever, some guys like to keep that in the back of their mind. And they'll keep it with them for the rest of time until they get a ballot in the mail and they have to sit there and decide whether or not you should be a Hall of Famer or not. So, again, the human aspect is a big part of this as well, unfortunately. And guys like Sheffield, complicated. Andrew Jones didn't get in this year. He got up to 61.6% of the vote. To me, Andrew Jones is a Hall of Famer. Andrew Jones, along with Ken Griffey Jr., the two best center fielders I ever saw. Okay, Andrew Jones could catch anything in the outfield and made it look nonchalant. See, were people fooled by Andrew Jones? Did they think that the fact that he was like lollygagging after balls and maybe he wasn't sprinting at full speed, they think he wasn't trying? No, it's because he was that freaking good, and he made it look that easy. Andrew Jones had 58% of the vote last year. This year he got 61.6, so he upped it by 3%. He's trending in that direction. Beltron is another guy that I vote for. 
All right? And that's is only his second year on the ballot. He got 57% of the vote. Last year he was at 46. So he's eventually making this climb. I guess the holier-than-thou voters don't want to necessarily go all in and say that this is a guy that should be in the Hall of Fame, but you can't do it so soon because he was caught up with the Astros stuff and the sign-stealing and the banging on the trash cans. I said it last night. Okay, with Carlos Beltran and his involvement with the Houston Astros stuff at the end of his career when he was 40 years of age, which that season was not going to have any bearing whatsoever on him being a Hall of Famer or not being a Hall of Famer, okay? The meat on the bone of his career had already been eaten off, okay? You knew the type of player he was. That was way past his prime with the Astros stuff. To me, that is not the same thing as what some of these other guys were doing when it came to the steroids and the cheating and impacting their statistics, period. All right? Carlos Beltran should be in the Hall of Fame. There's not many center fielders that are in the Hall of Fame, which is another thing, I guess, that stands in the way of a guy like Beltran getting the call this early. You look at Carlos Beltran's career, if you want to compare statistics, remember, he was a switch hitter too, which made what he did even more impressive. But Carlos Beltran was a guy who, if you look at his career, his numbers, at least in terms of the significant ones, which a lot of people look at in these types of cases, they mimic Andre Dawson's. They really and truly do. The only difference is Andre Dawson wasn't a switch hitter like Carlos Beltran was. Dawson's in the Hall of Fame. Carlos Beltran's one of only five guys to have 2,500 or more hits, 400 or more home runs, 300 or more stolen bases. Three of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. The fourth guy is Alex Rodriguez. Enough said. And Carlos Beltran's number five. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He should be there. A-Rod, by the way, got up to 34.8% of the vote. 34.8. Last year, he was 35.7. So how about that? A-Rod went down. He actually went down a little bit. Third year on the ballot. I don't know if things are ever going to change for him. Um, No matter how much more visible he gets on camera. As far as a couple of the locals are concerned, making their first appearance on the ballot, let's see. Jose Reyes did not get a vote, so he is gone. Um... Bartolo Colon got five votes. He's gone. Uh, David Wright got 24 votes. He got 6.2% of the vote. So David Wright gets to stay on the ballot for another year. You have to get at least 5% of the vote to come back for another go-round. So David Wright will get another go-round next year. But as we know, unfortunately, the back injuries and all the other stuff, the complicated matters for him. David Wright had two careers. First half of his career, he was on a Hall of Fame trajectory, hands down. Could not dispute it. Second half, unfortunately, missed too much time. The production numbers weren't there. So I think he's going to have a hard time ultimately getting his name called. But look, Beltre and O'Brainer, over 3,000 hits. And I brought it up last night. The oddity about Adrian Beltre, and I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that he shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Of course he's going to be. But the thing that's odd about Adrian Beltre, you don't see too many Hall of Famers that make their first All-Star appearance when they're 31 years of age. And that's what happened to Adrian Beltre. Didn't make the All-Star team until he was 31. Especially a first. Show me, and I'm sure that there's some nerds out there that are going to be able to dig this statistic up when you read all the things online and, you know, over the next 24 hours. How many Hall of Famers, first ballot Hall of Famers, did not make the All-Star team until they were 31 years of age? Probably not many. Because if you're a first ballot Hall of Famer and you're on that path, you're considered one of the elite a lot earlier in your career. And, you know, in your 20s, you're probably making All-Star games. So congrats to him. Mauer, I'm a little surprised that he got a first ballot slot. I did not vote for him. 
Um, to me, Maurer had about five or six Hall of Fame-worthy years. And then, unfortunately for him, the concussions played a role in you know harnessing his productivity in the second half of his career. And he moved out from behind the plate. See, what made Joe Maurer more special in the early part of his career, what he was doing offensively, he was doing it as a catcher. You know, winning an MVP award as a catcher and what he could do offensively. But if you take him out from behind the plate and he's just a DH slash a first baseman, those guys are evaluated in a completely different light. And you expect a little bit more in terms of the offensive contribution. And he did not have that during those years as a first baseman slash DH. But enough people gave him support. And he's in the Hall of Fame. And lastly, with Helton, I understand that the Colorado thing, that's a hiccup for some people. They use it as a bias. They think that hitting in Coors Field is what did a lot of these guys, you know, made their careers. Larry Walker getting in a couple of years ago, I think, broke the stigma a little bit. And that opened the door for guys like Todd Helton. I got no problem putting him in. Guy was a great hitter. And I know that the splits are not always going to match up what they do at Coors Field versus what they did on the road. But Todd Helton, to me... There wasn't that significant of a drop-off from what he did away from Colorado versus what he did in Colorado. And if you do it long enough at that level, you're a Hall of Famer. So that's why I supported Todd Helton. So thoughts on that. We'll get into it here at 800-919-3776. The snubs, the guys that got in, some local guys that maybe didn't get enough love uh, you know, when all is said and done there as well. We'll get as many phone calls up. We'll also come back and do a little basketball. A busy day in the NBA Getting ready here for Knicks and Nets, but you got a coach of a team that's doing pretty darn well showing the door, and there was also a trade that was made in the NBA, which could, could maybe impact the New York Knickerbockers over the next few weeks. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the Did We Just Hit a Million Orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. ESPN New York presents an evening with Garrett Wilson. It's an intimate event in the Big Apple with the Jets star wide receiver for your chance to score passes to this exclusive event, including food and beverage. Go to ESPNNewYork.com or... Find the contest page on the ESPN New York app and submit your entries. An evening with Garrett Wilson brought to you by Corona and Sansone Auto Mall. And also let me tell you about the ESPN New York Super Box Bonanza 5. We're giving away over $10,000 in cash and prizes. All qualifiers going to get a $25 Fanatics gift card and a chance at one of 10 Super Box prizes. Get your box for the big game by listening mornings to Rick and Dave and then afternoons to Barton Hahn, Michael K. Show. This year's big game payouts are $500 in the first and third quarters, $1,000 at halftime, and a final score payout of $2,000. It's all brought to you by Telemore Dew Irish Whiskey and the brand new Telemore Dew Honey and Security Dodge. Come get some. For full contest details, go to superboxbonanza.com. Billy Wagner, by the way, career ERA, less than Trevor Hoffman's whip, better than Trevor Hoffman's as well. But Trevor Hoffman is in the Hall of Fame. In a big spot, I would not trust Trevor Hoffman Forget about closing the game to close the door of my car if I asked him to. Ah, whatever. It's a joke. Let's get some calls up here. 800-919-3776. Chris and Beth Page up first here on 98.7 ESPN. Christopher, how are you? Good, Dan. Uh, yeah, listen, the Baseball Hall of Fame has long been a joke now. It really has. I, it's almost at a point where I can care less about the guys they announced tonight. And that's what the shame of it is. I mean – Listen, why is Big Poppy in there, okay? I, he belongs in there. Don't get me wrong, but he's in there, okay? And there was allegations about him. But, you know, listen, my thing is this. If you were a great player and a Hall of Fame player, without a doubt, before you took steroids, before you went down that bad road, throw, put him in the Hall of Fame and put an asterisk next to it. Barry Bonds was a top 15 player in the history of the game before he even knew what a steroid was, Okay. And Bill Mazeroski's in there. Harold Baines is in there, okay? When I go up to Cooperstown, I want to look at Bill Mazeroski and Harold Baines and know that <laughs> A-Rod and – no, seriously. I no, mean, you're right. And, and you know what? I, and you're right, a point you made. You made the perfect point before. These sports writers in baseball are the most sensitive guys. You know, God forbid you do anything, you have a – you know, talk dirty to him. They, they, didn't they make uh, Eddie Murray wait a while to get in the Hall of Fame? You know, like he wasn't a first balloter. I, I, I want to was... say Eddie Murray was. I could be because, I mean, Eddie Murray was a switch hitter who hit over oh. 500 home runs. I think Forget he was it. a first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay. But still, they didn't like him. I know that. And, you know, 
That's yes, what I first like. ballot. He went in with Gary Carter, actually. Gary Carter wasn't a first ballot, but he was in that class. Okay. Now, football, I, I like the way football does it. You know, listen, if Lawrence Taylor played baseball the way he was, they wouldn't put him in the first ballot. I'm telling you, they would have put him in the first year because he had a lot of off-the-field issues, which they wouldn't like. I'm telling you, it's, it's an Well, you know what, Chris? Joke. I'll yeah. tell you. I'll tell you what, though, and, and I thank you very much for the phone call. You get back to us here. I think the football one is imperfect as well because the way football does it, they have you know the the fifteen finalists or whatever it is that they whittle the list down to, or the twenty five finalists, you know, whatever. But they all get into that room, the writers, and they all make their presentations, and they all have to vote yay or nay. They have to take a minimum of five. They take a minimum of five from that finalist crop. See, baseball at least look. If you don't think a guy or if they don't think a guy is Hall of Fame worthy, they don't have like a minimum threshold that they have to hit to round out the class. So all the people that schlep up there to Cooperstown and and sweat sitting out in the hot sun in the middle of July, you know, it's like they have people to go up there and uh, see give speeches. Like, remember, last year you only had one guy they voted in in Scott Rowland. Some years they've had none, and I think that that's okay. But we're still not past the crop of players that were all part of the so-called steroid era, like as far as evaluating their careers and whether or not they should be Hall of Fame worthy or not. Like we're still not over that hump yet. And I've been saying for the longest time, you want to put them in, you got to put them all in. And I got no problem with that. I have no problem whatsoever with that. But you can't sit there and nitpick and decide and try to legislate who did what how long they did it for, what part of their careers were affected specifically by performance-enhancing drugs. If you think somebody even has a scintilla of guilt, okay, then you have to hold them to the same standard as everybody else that you think was using performance-enhancing drugs for a period of time. You have to. It's the only fair way to do it. Because, look, I understand that things ran amok during those years in baseball. I get it. But you think about some of the guys that are not in the Hall of Fame and probably never going to get in the Hall of Fame, the Barry Bonses, the Roger Clemens, okay? Even you throw A-Rod's name in there. Guys like that. Can you imagine years from now, whenever, you know, Ken Burns the third decides to make, like, the latest installment of the baseball documentary, and you go back and you try to retell the story of baseball in the late part of the 20th century, the 90s then into the 2000s, that era of baseball, that you know, 10, 20-year period with everything that was happening. And can you imagine not telling that story involving those guys? Because when you go to the Baseball Hall of Fame, it's a museum, right? It's a museum. And you walk in there and you see all the plaques on the wall and the guys that supposedly did it better than everybody else and and whatnot. Well, you're not bringing those guys into the game. And you're not telling their story. And you're essentially saying that their story need not be told whenever educating anybody about the game of baseball. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Julian, if you could, my friend, can you just throw a clock up there? Because I don't know what our exact out time needs to be for us tonight. I don't want to run past anything because I know we got the Knicks. Speaking of the Knickerbockers, like I said, you got iHeart out of the lineup tonight. So looks like Jericho Sims is going to be the one to get the start in the middle. Um, and I mentioned some of the, mo- the things that happened earlier today around the NBA. First off, this morning, the Hornets and the Heat made a trade. Kyle Lowry went to Charlotte, and Terry Rozier went to the Miami Heat. 
Miami wanted to get a little bit more scoring off the bench. Lowry's production has kind of dipped a little bit since last year. I get it. But Kyle Lowry is somebody who has no purpose of being in Charlotte. So one of two things are going to happen. He's either going to get traded before the deadline or they're just going to buy him out and he can be free to sign with anybody else. Remember how much Kyle Lowry was a pain in the neck against the Knicks in that playoff series last year? Don't you think that for a team that traded away their backup point guard and Emmanuel quickly, that Kyle Lowry at this stage of the game could provide a nice little edge and a role for this basketball team for the remainder of the season? I'm not saying put him over the top and make him a championship team, but, you know, Guy knows something about winning. He's won some games along the way. And besides, you think it would be really bad if the Knicks added another Villanova guy to this roster? You can't. You can never have too many Villanova guys. That's number one. Number two. How about Adrian Griffin getting whacked today? First year head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee right now is at thirty and thirteen. They're second in the Eastern Conference. They're one of the best teams in the NBA, but they're still not good enough. Not to the level that they feel they should be playing at. Right. So here you got this guy who doesn't even make it to the All-Star break in his first year as a head coach, not even to the All-Star break. Defensively, they left a lot to be desired. I think we know that. Anybody, those problems that crept up early in the season with Milwaukee that they couldn't play defense, they never got any better. And so a change was made. And especially when you have so much influence on that club and the two star players and especially Dame Lillard who came over and their task is to win a championship. And look, that's a big responsibility. A first-year rookie head coach with that type of talent and with that type of expectations, sometimes it always doesn't always end the way that you want it to. But let's see what happens tonight here over in Brooklyn. Nick should take care of business against the Nets. Thanks to Joe and thanks to Julian. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Full show coming up at 6.30. Grass is saying so long on 98.7 ESPN.